What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel, here to talk a little college baseball as we do every Monday on BaseballAmerica.com or on iTunes. Aaron, uh... I think you had a little bit of a down week as far as watching college baseball games, correct? Took a little breather this week, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I didn't go to any games, but I uh, I was able to watch uh, two games of the Florida South Carolina series on uh, on TV and uh, watched uh, Matt Perk start and Jed Bradley start on Saturday. So uh, it worked out okay. Uh, the home base here in the Beach was hopping with college baseball. It sounds like it. No, obviously it's not like you ignored it, <laughs> you know. Uh, we had awful weather here in North Kakalak. Uh, our own Jim Schonard went out to see Clemson and NC State this weekend. I was intending to get out there to see those guys, and the weather was bad, so I did not go because I'm old. Yeah, I'm not going to go out and sit in the cold. Uh, we, got, we, we haven't had we even had sleet here this morning, Fitzy. So I, I will just I'll bring this point up uh, apropos of nothing in our top 25, but. It is difficult. I mean, I think I'm one of the top uh, – I'm going to say I'm one of the top 25 fans of college baseball in the country who does not live in a college town. You know, I'm I'm one of the 25 most interested people who did not work in college baseball in the whole country. Yeah. And uh, it's tough in March with the college basketball tournament. If you like college basketball too, if you like college sports, and if the weather is not good, to really pay attention to college baseball. They – it is difficult. I don't think people realize the uphill battle for this sport. And I'm heartened, Darren, by all the good attendance numbers that I see around the country. I mean, like Rice, South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, how did Florida draw this weekend? Florida drew well. I think that was their, their largest attendance ever for a three-game weekend series, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, LSU has set, what, two weekend records at the new box already this year, it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, at least. I mean, That's it's crazy, right. and it's crazy. Uh, college baseball is fighting such an uphill battle for attention for the hearts and minds of fans. The NCAA d- gives no attention to college baseball except for in June, um, and, it's, and, and yet the sport uh, perseveres, continues to grow. Um, it, it's just so impressive. I think, I think it speaks to the quality of the game. And it's doing that this year, and it's a completely different brand of baseball than it has been in a lot of ways, yeah. in a lot of places. Not necessarily everywhere. That's another subject for maybe another day. Uh, but Aaron, obviously all eyes, even your eyes, uh, focused on that uh, number one versus number four, South Carolina versus Florida. And uh, that, they almost just switched places in our top 25 rankings. The Gamecocks with an impressive series win in Gainesville. First series loss in a long time for the Gators. They dropped to number four. And, Aaron, we had a pretty uh, stout debate for the spots one, two, and three between uh, Vanderbilt and Virginia and South Carolina. Uh, And and at the risk of – I'll I'll let you decide how much you want to go behind the curtain. Uh, You you can either tell how you uh, – how how did it come out? How did it shake out? How did you see uh, that we came to our conclusion? Well, coming into the meeting, I, I had, uh, you know, I had tentatively thrown my support behind South Carolina, and, and I thought it was a very, it was a very interesting debate, and I don't think it was really a wrong answer. I think you've got three teams worthy of being number one. They all have very similar resumes. Um, you know, they all have really two kind of signature series wins. I thought South Carolina had the best 
series win, obviously, going to Florida and taking two out of three, and that's just really hard. I still believe Florida's the best team in the country, so I think it says a lot of South Carolina that it in there and to Gainesville and, and, and won two games. Uh, but, you know, in, in the end, uh, Vanderbilt and Virginia actually have fewer losses overall. I mean, I think that might have been one part of, of the separator is, you know, South Carolina has losses to Furman and Cal State Bakersfield on their resume. Um, and uh, the other thing I think that is worth noting is that South Carolina is doing this without really a settled pitching staff. And on the one hand, you give South Carolina credit for that. Um, it, it speaks well of their bullpen and, and their, their ability to, to you know, grind out at bats offensively and do other things in beach two different ways. But I, I feel a little bit better about the team that has Sonny Gray and Grayson Garvin and Taylor Hill than I do about the team that has Michael Ross and, you know, Forrest Kumis spot start and maybe two innings out of Brian Harper. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's good for South Carolina. It's even more impressive that they were able to win a series at Florida without, you know, a really rock-solid weekend rotation. But I feel, like I said, a little bit better about the number one team that has a rock-solid weekend rotation. Yeah, that's, 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 that summarizes it pretty well for me. I, I, I just felt that what South Carolina did this weekend was probably as impressive as anything any team has done all year, maybe Florida going to LSU and – sweeping them as resoundingly as they did um, the weekend after LSU had swept Cal State Florida. Maybe that's the maybe that was the loudest series of the year previously. Uh, but the way that Florida had been playing for South Carolina to go in there, and, and for a freshman like Kumas, even though that's a game they lost, to go in there and not just pitch well, but to give South Carolina six innings. Him giving them six innings yeah. gave them a chance to Johnny Holstaff it on Sunday. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's really saved the bullpen. That was as crucial as anything. And, and we talked about in the preseason, Aaron, uh, we talked about Matt Price and the debate. And you've talked to Matt Price about this, about the debate, about moving him into the weekend rotation. Why did the Gamecocks choose Kumas in the weekend rotation over Price? And talk a little bit about just those two power arms and just how well Kumas threw and maybe the long-term implications of that for South Carolina. Because it seems like he potentially gives them a power right-handed arm to go into what had been a very left-hand heavy weekend rotation. I kind of see that as a potential for, for at least down the road. I'm still not sure South Carolina is ready to make Forrest Kumis their regular Saturday starter uh, because, you know, he's not a finished product yet. I mean, watching that game, it was clear that there's still some command things that he's ironing out. Uh, he's not terribly efficient, you know, and you need to be more efficient to work deeper into the game. This was his longest outing by far in his career, but, uh, of course, he had been in the bullpen. But, um, you know, I think South Carolina has a nice luxury with – with their bullpen, they could afford to move a, a good power arm like Kumis into, into a starting role, and even Brian Harper. Um, but uh, I, I do think that Price is so valuable in the bullpen, even though he, he took the loss on Saturday. Uh, he pitched well on Saturday, just uh, made one bad pitch to Cam Washington. But, um, and he came back on Sunday and, and, and you know got the win in relief. So, so I, I just, just think he's such a weapon in the bullpen, as, as he showed in Omaha last year. And, and those guys are really important in college baseball and gives you a chance to impact multiple games over the course of a weekend. So, um, you know, I suspect you'll see Stephen Neff back uh, maybe next week and, and maybe back in the rotation. Um, and, and then, you know, I think they're still trying to figure out how that whole thing's going to shake out. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think in the end, as far as the rankings are concerned, it, as impressive as South Carolina's weekend was, uh, was it enough to jump over Vanderbilt in Virginia, which also had fine weeks and you know have similar bodies of work? I guess that's that's the thing is, you know, those teams have have taken care of business too. Yeah, that's pretty much that was that was the way it shook out for us. It's nothing against it says nothing negative about South Carolina. It's uh, usually you move up more than one spot when you 
uh, win a series on the road against the number one team. But Vanderbilt and Virginia are that good. Uh, so, and there was some sentiment, more sentiment than I thought there would be actually in, in the meeting, Aaron, for UVA. Uh, you know, we were missing one of our usual, uh, well, two of our usual, uh, you know, stalwarts in the meeting, JJ Cooper and Josh Leventhal, for various reasons, not in the meeting today. Um, but you know, uh, I was a little bit surprised with the guys that came to the office that we had some Virginia support. I, I just didn't even think about yeah. it with Towson and Maryland as the teams they beat. Uh, it just didn't cross my mind. But yeah, 24 and two is 24 and two. I mean, Virginia is just uh, rolling right along. Like you said, Vanderbilt, their one loss on the week is uh, you know, a Sunny Gray start where he deals. I mean, he did have four yeah. walks. Um, but you know, uh, those two teams are pretty fair teams too. I think you made a tremendous point about Vanderbilt that and we're not even talking about Jack Armstrong votes wise uh, he almost made our All-America team preseason you know uh, yeah. you know so, and then that guy has uh, has hardly pitched for Vanderbilt and that just tells you a little bit about their pitching depth um, you know uh, any concerns for you if, uh, at all about them offensively considering they scored only seven runs in the weekend series at Arkansas and Arkansas's pitching had been struggling previously that's the kind of team I think Vanderbilt is. Is they're going to be a, a pitching and defense team that's going to manufacture runs and you know an occasional power display maybe from an Esposito or a Westlake, but um, they're they're not going to be an offensive juggernaut. I mean I think they're going to be kind of similar to uh, you know for the most part similar to Virginia and Florida and Texas and the Texas A&M. I mean all these teams that are in our top ten are, are constructed similarly. Yeah, they're all pitching defense and let's hope we scratch some runs out teams basically. Yeah, and, and you know, and Vanderbilt and Florida, I think, have, have better offensive personnel than Texas and Texas A&M. I think those teams are, are better offensively, uh, but, right. uh, but there's, they're certainly not going to be you know, world beaters offensively either, generally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. No, that, that's a good way to put it. And just speaking of Arkansas, you know, Bomb Stadium is one of the show places in college baseball. Uh, it's definitely on my uh, wish-I-could-go-there list. But uh, 7,900 Friday and Saturday night, each night. And 6,600 on Sunday. So what is that? Uh, eight and you know, it's like 2,250 fans over the course of the weekend uh, for Vanderbilt and Arkansas. I mean, SEC baseball is just at such another level when you factor in the talent, competitiveness, and then the fan interest, the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, those fans are to be commended, and those schools are to be commended for the attention and interest they have and they put in college baseball. And, uh, you know, three of our top four teams remain uh, SEC clubs, and, uh, you know, all three of those are national championship contenders. Here we are five weeks in here, and we're basically a third of the way through the season, uh, through the regular season. You're counting 14 regular season weeks and then that conference tournament week. We're basically a third of the way through the season, and uh, we thought that three of the top seven teams coming in were SEC clubs I think you know nothing has changed our, our minds about Florida, how good Florida, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. Kind of the biggest interloper in our top ten, really, I guess our two biggest interlopers from the start of the year to now, are the Texas A&M Aggies and then Fresno State. Um, the Aggies, um, you know, with another 4-0 week this week, we jumped them quite a bit last weekend, kind of crossed our fingers to make sure they made us look good, and they, they go in the sweep of series. They're pitching uh, three runs allowed all weekend. Um, you know, John Stilson continues to make that transition into the, into the weekend rotation. And then Fresno State probably played the most notable single game of the weekend area just because they went 22 innings with San Diego. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Bulldogs. Obviously, 2008 national champions. Uh, obviously, the bats are different than they were in 2008. 
but this team has some of those holdovers. So that they have a really nice mix of those experienced guys and some guy, you know, the, the, some of the, uh, the the Danny Munoz and some of the other guys, uh, Jordan Rivera, uh, still around from that 2008 club, along with some of the guys who kind of mixed in since then. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about the is this Fresno State team? Obviously, we have them nine. What makes Fresno State a national championship contender this year? Well, they're they're constructed fairly similarly to the way they were built uh, in 2009. You know, it's it's a it's a very it's a very veteran team. Um, a lot of seniors in the lineup and upperclassmen guys. You know, they've, they've got some thump there now that Brennan Brennan Gowans had been starting to hit until he went one for 11 Saturday, uh, no. uh, which I, I imagine hurt the average a little bit. But uh, uh, you know, he and he and Dusty Robinson are key guys there in the middle, and and. They've been producing, along with Ribera, um, you know, and on the mound. I mean, I think this is a, a deeper pitching staff than they've had since 2009. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, Greg Gonzalez has given them a, a senior at the top of the rotation who's pitched very well uh, just about every week. Um, and then I thought it was notable that Josh Poitras moved into the rotation on Sunday and pitched well. That's a guy that, uh, boy, we've been waiting on for three years. I mean, since he got there, he was really the centerpiece of that recruiting class. Right. Um, that's now a, a, the junior class that uh, has been a very good class for them, but um, Poitras hadn't really performed up to expectations. So interesting to see if they can get him going. I think they'll be even more dangerous. I mean, wasn't he what an unsigned, uh, unsigned tenth round pick at a high school? I mean, he was a big deal. Sounds something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then they have the you know come up with Charlie Robertson in the bullpen. Um, you know, the Sacramento kids, obviously Sacramento's had some. Uh, produced some great players over the over the years. It's a, kind of a, a neat baseball hotbed. Um, Charlie is a brother of Tyler Robertson, left-hander in the twin system, uh, who was once a much better prospect. His father is a big-time scout, Jay Robertson. Uh, I believe still works for the Rangers organization. Um, so he's a, from a baseball family. Um, you know, he's not left-handed like his big brother, uh, like Tyler. Uh, but he's just having an unbelievable year out of their bullpen with eight saves and nine appearances, and uh, you know uh, he comes from a baseball family. It wouldn't be, sh- it wouldn't shock me to see Charlie Robertson keep that up. And it's not like they're, you know, defensively, it's not like Fresno's a little bit more consistent club than they maybe the last couple of years, especially since they had well, since they lost Tommy Mendonca, who's been uh, at times spectacular from for them at third base. Now Danny Muno's playing over at third base, which is a little bit jarring to see. He was their freshman and the uh, their shortstop as a freshman on their national title team. Um, seems like they, you know, seems like they've got a pretty veteran uh, and solid infield. So this is a team that doesn't look like it has a whole lot of glaring weaknesses, Aaron. Yeah, and you know they've played a pretty good schedule. They haven't played any top twenty-five teams yet, uh, but they've got, uh, I think, two wins early on in the year against Oregon State. Uh, they swept the Washington State team that you know w- was in a regional last year and and had some um, some aspirations to to you know be a top twenty-five team this year. I mean, I think there was a lot of support for Washington State. As that kind of club, but uh, you know they they played they played a bunch of named teams. They won a series at Nebraska. Uh, they swept Pepperdine. I mean, it's it, it's been a solid schedule. It just you know hasn't been an elite schedule. But they're 18 and two, so they've certainly um, done what they needed to do. Yeah, the only losses I believe at Nebraska and to Cal Poly. Um, so that, that, those are it's been an impressive year. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron sticking with the West Coast for a minute. Uh, Stanford and Fullerton uh, in our rankings 11 and 12 this week. Cal at 13, um, Georgia Tech follows them at 14. We really wrestle with the Yellow Jackets as we have the last couple of weeks trying to figure out how much to move Georgia Tech up. They're 9-0 and in the ACC. They go down and sweep Miami. But I guess we felt this week we really could not move them ahead of Stanford, Fullerton, and California. 
all of which had pretty uh, significant weeks. Let's, let's talk about the Cardinal for a second. Um, 15-day layoff. I mean, they always have a week off for exams in the middle of the year. You know, usually like a nine, ten-day layoff. You throw in five extra days because they missed the uh, in the Michigan series last weekend due to rain. Um, and yet Stanford's hitting. Uh, you know, tough to rank a 10-16 and 16 that high, but uh, this was their easiest week of the year considering that they didn't play uh, on the road against the uh, top 25 teams. And March 25 winds up being their home opener, basically, right, against Long Beach State? Uh, for for a weekend game, yeah, I think they they played a midweek game at home, but okay, um, yeah, against Cal and Santa Clara, they they had a couple of midweeks, but but yeah, they they played uh, UC Davis and Santa Clara this week at home, also meet those two teams, and then Long Beach uh, took two out of three, so I mean it's it's a solid four in one week, and I was curious to see how they would respond after a 15 day layoff, uh, and it looks like they responded well. I thought it was uh, very important that, that Brian Nogueira has gotten going a little bit. You know, one of those talented freshmen, we've talked so much about their, their young players, uh, hit, hit for the cycle on uh, on Tuesday, I believe, against Santa Clara, going five for five, and then had three more hits in one of those Long Beach games. And uh, it seems like he's uh, he's swinging a little bit, which is a nice development for them. Um, you know, they've, they've found answers in the bullpen with Chris Reed, the junior left-hander who's, who's you know, a really good prospect. Um, they like him in that closer role, and uh, you know, and, and he, he made three appearances this weekend and uh, pitched well, struck out eight over five and two thirds or so. Um, you know, that that's that's a big development. I feel like their their pitching staff is settling into place. They've got their roles now. Uh, they're still ten and six, but you could almost see them going on a run here. They've got San Jose State, and then they're at Southern Cal. It's kind of a winnable series, and then they've got two home series against Oregon State and UCLA. So it should be it should be a, a fascinating stretch for Stanford. And they stretched out A.J. Venegas, their touted freshman, uh, four-plus innings this weekend. Um, with the emergence of Reed in their bullpen, the fact they have some other veterans back there like Sam Brink, again, and uh, Snodgrass, these aren't guys with big-time arm, but guys they trust. Could you see Venegas moving into their weekend? a big-time arm, too. Okay, he is a big-time arm. Could you see them moving Venegas into the weekend rotation, Aaron? Uh, is that a possibility, uh, maybe behind Appel? I, I wouldn't think so at this point. Um, you know, I, I think Venegas is, uh, he's still kind of finding his way a little bit, but I mean, they've got Jordan Freeze still, um, you know, and, and, and I think generally they've been happy with Dean McArdle. He didn't pitch well on Sunday, but, um, you know, well, I guess that's something to monitor. I, I do think Venegas is good enough to be in the rotation, but, um, you know, he, he's been a little bit up and down this year also. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, just Dean McArdle just sounds like, uh, you know, like a, like a animal house joke. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound like... Really, his name. Uh, I mean, obviously it is, but it is, when you said Dean McArdle, I was. I just was. It made me think of like old school or something like that. Um, Cal State Fullerton uh, goes on the road. Aaron, a- any significance to their suspension of eight players besides the fact that they suspended eight players, four or five of whom were pretty significant players, and went on the road and uh, swept Hawaii, which is a pretty good team. Uh, significance. I mean, no. I mean, you know, I, I think you. I think you hit it on the head. They. To me, it's really impressive that they played six games this week, uh, and the last four of them were on the road, you know, without a bunch of key players, and they and they still swept that series. I mean, you know, you talk to Dave Serrano, he'll tell you this might be the best pitching staff he's ever had, and and I think that the depth really came through this weekend. Um, you know, you go four and zero out there with a bunch of guys suspended. I mean, it's it's not easy. Um, you know, and and boy, Anthony Trahana, what what a season that guy's had. I mean, he's kind of an unheralded guy, just a little scrapper. Uh, I'm in that classic 
Cal State Fullerton mold. You know, he's not quite as little as David Bacani, but he's he's that kind of player. <laughs> you know, a Bacani or a Red Turner, uh, a grinder type. But uh, it, without Richie Pedroza this weekend, they put Trajano at shortstop, and he just keeps on plugging along and keeps on hitting. So. Um, you know, but this team is, it's, it's all about pitching with Fullerton and they pitched very well this weekend. And, uh, Noe Ramirez and Tyler Pill and those guys, Dylan Floro pitched well. And then they got a nice spot start from David Hurlbut on, on Sunday. So, um, you know, it's, it's an impressive week. And just true to their, um, you know, you mentioned Trahana. I'm like, I don't know much about that guy. And you, but you look him up and he's taken a dose eight times. He leads the team and hit by pitches. I mean, that's just, like you said, that's a classic Jason Karopsi. There's uh, a long line of undersized Fullerton guys who learned to do those little things that help the Titans uh, win games. Um, so, so Fullerton, Stanford, you know, again, Georgia Tech, they're at 14. They could have a week where they go like 3-2, and two, and if it's the right 3-2, and two, that might be the week that they jump up. just depends a lot on what the teams around them. Uh, pretty impressive to see them go to and just uh, and sweep Miami, all of the Hurricanes. Are not the hurricanes that we, uh, you know, that you think of. Uh, Mark Pope finally touched up a little bit this weekend, but Miami hitting like 228 as a team, uh, pretty impressive for Georgia Tech. Uh, but really, most of those teams after Tech, basically, Aaron, uh, TCU, North Carolina at 16. Uh, after that, the poll got a little bit ugly. Uh, <laughs> we had a hard time. Yeah. Uh, you probably, it probably would have been best to cut the poll off at 16. Yeah. This week was. Uh... Boy, it was not pretty, like you said. I mean, it, part of it is because the SEC West is, as we thought it was coming into the year, it's wide open, you know. And, and uh, after LSU swept Fullerton, I think we started to think, okay, maybe LSU is the real team to beat. And we had kind of had LSU penciled in as, as a slight favorite coming into the year. But I thought Auburn and Ole Miss and Arkansas were right there with it, really. And it turns out that, uh, you know, maybe – Alabama and, and Mississippi State are also in the mix. I mean, Alabama this weekend uh, sweeps Kentucky. Uh, they're finding themselves in the back of the rankings at number 25. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're five and one. I think they have the best record in the SEC. Uh, and then, you know, Mississippi State going on the road and sweeping Auburn, which had been ranked last week. Uh, so we, we knocked Auburn out and uh, we, de- we debated ranking Mississippi State, but uh, their, their resume was a little bit short. Um, it was it was messy at the back. You know, we we had four spots. We bumped Auburn, Rice, Clemson, and Tulane. Um, you know, Stetson, Troy, Southern Miss, and Alabama were the teams we ended up bringing in. But, but um, you know, all of those teams have holes in their resumes. All the other teams have holes in their resumes. Uh, you just do the best you can. Yeah, that really was the, that was pretty much the, the mode of this week's rankings. There's no doubt about that. Let's talk a little bit about some of those SEC West teams there and just. Alabama, I just think, is one of the most unusual teams in the country. Their best players are five six and five seven. Um, I would have loved to have seen. I would have loved to have seen Peanut Kilcrease at five six pitching against and beating Alex Meyer at six nine. Like if this had been a hundred years ago or ninety years ago, where you like left your glove on the field and actually went and spoke in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at a uh, the summer college league team of the Fayetteville Swamp Dogs this weekend. And you talk about who does not belong and why. I was on a panel with three Negro Leaguers. So hmm. it, was, it was me and three ex-Negro League players. So I really was completely unworthy of being on this panel. Um, but it was a joy to meet those gentlemen, uh, Sam Allen, uh, uh, oh, Carl Long, and then I cannot remember the third gentleman's name. I didn't meet him until right after the panel had been, uh, was over. Um, but, you know, you're talking about that those guys always – one of the stories I kept talking about was leaving their glove on the field. And I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think Nathan Kilcrease in the old days could have fit his. You know, how could his hand and Alex Meyer's hand <laughs> have fit in the same glove? 
You know, I mean, right. like, I can't even comprehend those guys being, you know, playing the same position, doing the same things they do. And uh, and yet, Peanut is arguably the better college pitcher, even though obviously he's not going to be a first round pick yeah. like a like Alex Meyer might be. Um, yeah, but Alabama. There's no arguably uh, about it. I think I think Nathan Gilkrist is a better college pitcher than, than Alex Meyer. I mean, he, he wins, he throws strikes. I mean, look at his numbers this year. He's you know he's got 41 strikeouts and six walks in 40 innings. I mean, that's that, that's so important in college baseball. You got to throw strikes, and that's been Alex Meyer's bugaboo over the course of his career. Bugaboo, always fun to say bugaboo. But I mean, uh, and then the, the best offensive player uh, last year's All American, Taylor Duga. I mean, just an on base machine. Not a guy who's really going to be impacted necessarily by the bats. He's, you know, uh, 487 on base this year. Uh, you'd like him to steal bases a little, maybe a little bit more. But that team's, you know, replaced a lot of their guys. Uh, you know, had a lot of turnover last year, but they kept two of the most important guys. To me, were those two guys. Uh, Adam Morgan's back in their weekend rotation, and uh, and they've done a nice job. It seems like of kind of piecing things back together at Alabama. Who do you think maybe has a little bit more staying power? Alabama, where you've got uh, Mitch Gaspard, I, I believe, in, the, in what his third year as head coach or second year? Second year? Uh, I think it's a second year. And then you have John Cohen, also what in his second or third year in rebuilding Mississippi State, correct? Yeah, he's in his third year. I, I think that's uh, I think that's how it breaks down. But yeah, it's you know it's tough. I, honestly, I mean, I just. That that division is is like I said. I think it's so wide open. I, I don't know that any of those teams, except for maybe LSU, which is in last place. Right. Um, I don't know that any of those teams are necessarily top twenty-five teams going forward. But uh, you know, I look at Alabama, and, and I'm not blown away. Um, but uh, you you give you know you give those guys credit for for having new pieces step forward this year. I mean, Brock Bennett and Jared Reeves are having nice little years for them. Um, you know, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how good this Alabama team really is yet. I think it remains to be seen. They haven't uh, they haven't really played the top teams in the conference yet. They did win a series at Ole Miss last week, which I thought was was impressive. Uh, and sweeping Kentucky. I mean, anytime you sweep in, in conference, you know, it's it's a statement. It's not easy. Um, so you know, they, they're they've done a good job. They're playing well right now. They're hot. Uh, but uh, I'm not convinced even that they're necessarily a regionals team. I mean, in, in that league, who knows? There's a long long way to go. But for now, um, you know they're number twenty-five, so we'll see how long it holds up. But but Mississippi right. State, I think, is Mississippi State, I think, is fascinating, you know, because uh, they've gone through you know a lot of lumps the last couple of years, and um, you know they they've liked their recruiting classes quite a bit the last two years, and and I think they're starting to see the fruits of their labors on the recruiting trail, and they're very athletic. They built that team around pitching and defense, uh, you know, that's their model, and uh, you know they've got a lot of two-way guys. Uh, um, they've got a lot of speed on that team. Um, it, it's it's an exciting team. I just don't know how well the offense is going to hold up, and I don't know how well the pitching is going to hold up. But, but so far, so good. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think I, I think that Mississippi State, Alabama has a better resume, and that's why they're ranked right now. And they have two, you know, well, we already talked about difference maker college players. I, I kind of like Mississippi State's chances of having some staying power, though. I think the left field lounge guys are going to be uh, a little excited this year. This might be the year that Mississippi State gets back. I mean, you got an exciting two-way freshman, Daryl Norris, who's contributed out of the bullpen and at the plate. Uh, you got Chris Stratton, a sophomore, got a lot of experience last year, trial by fire. Uh, he's a guy we liked out of high school. Arm strength guy, like you wrote about in the recruiting class a couple years ago. He seems to be stepping forward into that you know, weekend number one type role. Devin Jones is a you know, solid college pitcher. They got some guys. I wouldn't shock me if Mississippi State 
with a team out of those two that had a little bit more staying power. But uh, yeah. I'm with you. The jury, to, the jury to me is still out on, on the entire SEC West. And you mentioned Devin Jones, and I think that's really a key guy for Mississippi State because he's, you know, he, he's a prospect, and he's, he looks the part, and he, he throws hard. He can run up there 94 or so. But, right, right. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't quite put it all together yet in college. And, you know, I, I spoke with John Cohen yesterday. We'll have more on this in three strikes. But, oh, great. Um, you know. He, he said Devin Jones is, is you know, he, he'll show, he'll flash it to you, but, you know, right now he hasn't quite been consistent yet. And, and, and um, you know, that's something that they need because, they, they you know, they kind of hoped he'd be their Friday guy. I think they might wind up putting Chris Stratton as their Friday guy, although they like having him on Saturdays. They're, they're one of those programs that really believes in the importance of the Saturday games. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, he's a key piece. That's the point, you know, and, and – uh, uh, he needs to throw strikes and be more consistent, and you know, hopefully it clicks for him this year in, instead of in pro ball, which is something that you know, Mississippi State's been a little bit afraid of. Right, right. That's a great point. I mean, uh, I just remember writing him up out of high school. And, uh, they, you know, they just, they, like you said, they have athleticism. I, I like their speed. That's going to play well in this uh, in this current college baseball era. Uh, we should wrap up here. And, and and talk- Go ahead. Sorry, John, one final thought. Your man, Hunter Ren- Renfro, all-time uh, John Manuel cheese ball. Apparently he's been 95-97 uh, every time he's he's uh, he's th- thrown a ball off the mound this year. So <laughs> I did not even I did not even want to ask. He was in my back pocket. I wasn't going to mention Hunter, but since you did, my ERA I'm a little disappointed there. Hunter throw strikes. I'm going to give you my uh, my quick uh, two second uh, Wayne Graham pet talk. Throw strikes. <laughs> uh, I love I love Hunter Renfro. Can I get any Tommy points for that? I mean, yeah, yeah, there you go. Plus two. That was that was a stretch to give you a little Tommy uh, Tommy Heinz in, in, in impersonation on the college podcast. That was very random. Uh, Aaron, then we also ranked one third. It seemed like of uh, of Conference USA, not quite obviously because uh, you know Troy's not even in Conference USA. But Stetson, Troy, Southern Miss, welcome to the party. Uh, we did not rank East Carolina. We dropped Tulane. Clemson drops out. The, the Tigers are about as banged up as any team in the country. Uh, they go three and two this week, but they fall out from 19 because they're the only team that was even considered for our rankings that's lost three weekend series this year. Um, let's talk about the teams that we did rank. Stetson, that, the Hatters really have had a, a, a very nice season. You've talked to Pete Dunn this year. Uh, they, they win a midweek game against Florida State. They've got a series sweep at uh, Georgia or no, at home, I should say, against Georgia from the SEC. Uh, they swept Mercer, which is a good veteran team uh, out of the Atlantic Sun and uh, their own league. And then this weekend they win two out of three against East Tennessee State, uh, which really pounded their pitching on Sunday with the uh, you know Paul Hoylman, the uh, possible All-American guys had a great career there at East Tennessee State. Uh, what is it about Stetson and Troy? Uh, Southern Miss obviously won that series against uh, Tulane. I think that's a little bit obvious why they got ranked. Two, but Troy won the series against Southern Miss. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about Stetson and Troy, uh, kind of these off the radar maybe a little bit teams that we wound up ranking this week. Yeah, you know, Stetson, I think, is, is interesting because, uh, uh, like you said, their resume is pretty good. Both these teams are, you know, 19 and 4, 20 and 5. I mean, they're, uh, they, they've played pretty consistently. And, uh, you know, Stetson is, 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 to me, is a team that's it's got solid pitching. It's not overpowering pitching, but it's guys who throw strikes and um, are good college pitchers, you know, Kurt Schluter and Lindsey Coggle and, um, you know, these kinds of guys. But, uh, um you know, Ben Carhart is a key for them also. I mean, he started to hit for some power along with Nick Rickles. They're their great catcher over there. Um, you know, he he's kind of the glue guy, I think. I mean it's a it's a solid all around college team. 
teams what it is. They've got a little bit of speed. Um, you know, Jeff Simpson uh, stealing some bases for them. Um, you know, Spencer Theason can run. Uh, it's 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 just one of those quality college teams that doesn't leap out at you in any way, but they've got a lot of nice little parts and they're experienced. I'm definitely lamenting the fact that I missed my chance to see the Hatters um, last weekend. They were at Campbell's. They were in our neck of the woods. That's usually when we hear BA uh, get a chance to go out and see uh, Atlantic Sun teams when they come to Campbell. Um, and I, I feel bad that I missed my chance. Like you said, I, the thing I like best about those guys is they do hit a little bit. You know, they've, they've shown a little thump, um, and, and they're, ba- they're a balanced ball club. And then Troy, um, again, it's a, a well-coached team, Aaron, that just every year it seems like they're in that mix. Um, they've got the X factor this year, and uh, what is it, Jimmy Hodgkin, the left-hander, the freshman, um, yeah. uh, who was a highly recruited player. Uh, but that's not really what Troy's about. I mean, they're just about uh, that they, they hit, they feel it. It seems like they're just a fundamentally sound, uh, you know, talented college baseball team that doesn't really have a. Uh, they don't have. Seems like they have one one thing they lean on more than anything else. It just seems like they're they're pretty good in all phases of the game. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, they're a really good defensive team. They're fielding 983. Um, you know, Adam Bryant, their their star shortstop over there, uh, hasn't put up the loud numbers that he put up last year, but he's he's hitting. He's having a very solid year. He's got 29 RBIs. He continues to be that run producer guy for them. Um, and and you know, Tyler Ray on on Fridays, the fun rotation is just uh, again he's been a strike thrower. Yep. I mean, he just pounds the strike zone, and uh, he's five and zero. Oh. He's he's got a sub two ERA. Uh, and only four walks and 41 innings. So, um, you know, you got to throw strikes. You got to throw strikes more than ever now. And and uh, you know that's what they're doing. Throw strikes, Aaron. Uh, any, uh, we we left Oregon State and UCLA in the rankings at the back. Any comment on the uh, on the Bruins? I think uh, they're one of our hot button teams. I think they're the they're the team that uh, Baseball America likes that uh, our fans love to hate. It seems. Uh, you know, any, I think any, everybody any, likes. Go ahead. I think everybody likes UCLA, though, this year. I don't think we're alone on them. In fact, we're probably lower on them than most of the other rankings are. Uh, but, you know, they're they're 11-8. and eight. Their record isn't great. We understand that. But, um, you know, they've got insane pitching. And uh, and maybe their bats are starting to come. You know, they did score eight runs in two separate games this week. I mean, that's a, that's a outburst for those guys. That is. Um, who knows? I mean, it, you know, they, they've – we'll – with UCLA, but they did go three and two this week. They won a series uh, against USC. They split two games at Cal Poly. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do. I mean, they, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer and Adam Pletko give them a chance to win every series, and, and, and Bauer was um, transcendent, I think, on, on Saturday. It sounds like a one hitter, fourteen strikeouts. But uh, Aaron, they're going to need to start one, swinging the bats. If you have one game to win in college baseball. Uh, who do you have pitch that game? You know, I, you you know what my answer is, mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer. I mean, if I yeah, have one be. game to win, I take Trevor Bauer. That guy is at another level right now. That's not a bad uh, selection. You know, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, I think you could throw Taylor Youngman in the mix. You know, a guy who's oh yeah shut, shut down shut down LSU in the College World Series finals a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, and all he does is throw up nine zeros every week it seems like um <laughs> he has been you know i'm glad you brought him up because taylor youngman has just been insane this year he hasn't had a bad start has he gone fewer than eight innings at any of his starts no i mean it's just uh it's pretty amazing i, I will read out uh, from our facebook and twitter accounts we don't necessarily have a uh have a question on facebook but hughes mcmurray on uh facebook says the usc diamond to gamecocks 
should be number one after winning a series on the road at the consensus number one Florida Gators. That should vault them into the top spot in my very, very biased opinion. So, Hughes, at least you're being honest. Appreciate that uh, thought. Unfortunately for Hughes, he did not have a, a seat at this week's table in the rankings. And then, uh, you know, Aaron, you uh, did you watch Sunday's Florida game, Florida-South Carolina game? I did. Yes, okay. I did. Well, Prospect Junkies asks, if Florida leaves Carson Whitson in for the six, do they win that game and remain number one? I did think that, that Sully had a little bit of a quick trigger there with, uh, with, with Whitson. I mean, he only thrown 70 or so pitches um, when he was pulled. He had only given up two hits through five shutout innings. I thought he was in a nice little groove. I know he, he walked the leadoff guy in the sixth, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, – I think, Coach O'Sullivan was eager to get to his bullpen because it's such a weapon, and uh, they hadn't used it at all on Saturday since they let Hudson Randall uh, throw a complete game, his first of his career. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I think I think that's one of those situations where maybe the 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 uh, the questioner is, is right. I mean, I think maybe uh, if, if you go a little bit longer with Whitson, I mean, the guy's got great stuff. He's pitching well. I mean, he hit three pitches going. He looked really good. Um, you know. I, you know, they had a three-run lead. I say let them keep going. I mean, it, it pitch count wasn't an issue. I, maybe there's something to that. Yeah, uh, that, I, that's a. I, I just saw that in the tracker. I didn't watch the game, but uh, you know, Whitson's been limited to five or six innings pretty much every time out this year. And uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, college baseball's harder than high school baseball, but uh, he was facing hotter bats last year in high school. So um, it's it's interesting. I still think when it's all said and done, Carson Woods is going to have to pitch some really crucial innings for South Carolina, for, for Florida uh, to win a national championship. But right now, he doesn't have to be their Friday guy. I mean, uh, I know that they pitched their number one guy, it seems like, on Saturdays now, but Hudson Randall is the undisputed ace. And I, uh, frankly, Aaron, it looks like he's pitched his way into this discussion with Taylor Youngman. I think Sonny Gray would be in that uh, mix. And then Trevor Bauer, if you need one guy to pitch a game right now, Hudson Randall's been insane. Yeah, and, you know, let's throw Dan. Andy Holton out there too. Oh, there's yeah. tons of guys. Oh, yeah. It's a great year for pitching, you know. I mean, and, and there's there's lots of guys you could you could take in this discussion. But uh, still taking Bauer. Yeah, certainly hard. To, you can take Bauer. I think that's a fine choice. I, I guess I'll go with Taylor Youngman. I want the uh, I want the intimidation of the pregame long toss where he's crossing paths with your pitcher throwing 120, and I want that running <laughs> down the hill. I want that running down the mound, chucking in at 100 miles an hour from 52 feet uh, throw. I want the uh, I want him announcing his presence with authority. We'll end with a cliche. How's that? There you go. Well, if you have questions for the podcast for next week, you can always send those in for the rankings at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Or, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter at Aaron Fitt or at John Manuel BA. I suggest that Aaron Fitt because he knows more than, you, than, than I do. So for Aaron Fitt from the West Coast, I'm John Manuel from the World Headquarters here in Durham. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.